Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 282. And with me today are Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, and Jessica Ray here at MotorWeek World Headquarters in Studio C. Let's get right to it. We've got three, actually four interesting vehicles we're going to talk about. But we're going to start off with a vehicle that I have to say, as electric vehicles go, We've had more questions, more anticipation about it than anything else I can think of. And that's the Cadillac Lyric 2023. Brian Robinson, why don't you take the lead? Yes, sir. We all know that Cadillac uh, will have no more new internal combustion engines, all electric uh, new vehicles from here on out. This is the very first one. Uh, Same Ultium platform uh, that was in the Hummer, scaled down version of that same uh, platform. First, uh, ones to come out are rear drive only. Uh, that's because the rear motor is the same as is in uh, the Hummer, but with packaging, they couldn't get any of the front uh, motors, any of the motors, Hummer's motors to work up front. So they're developing a new uh, front motor, which they'll be out uh, next year, uh, all-wheel drive. Currently, the rear drives put out 340 horsepower. All-wheel drive will be in the neighborhood of 500, 312 miles of range uh, for the rear drive. As far as looks, it's really long and low, like more like a wagon yeah, much more, um, yeah. than an SUV. Uh, obviously, they wouldn't want to hear that, but uh, really smooth bodywork with some some shoulder to it. It kind of looks like a muscular Volvo. I don't want it, not too much, but just as far as their, you know, their modern Volvos like really sleek, but have that muscular. Uh, look to it. Same same with this Cadillac. The grill, it's got a somewhat traditional grill face to it, but the grill is pretty trick. I don't know if you've seen pictures, hard to describe, but it's uh, one plastic piece with a ton of LEDs behind it. So basically, and you can program the LEDs to do different things. Hmm. So you can have a different looking grill uh, depending on what you have. And then that, they made a point of saying that's 100% modular. Uh, they can pop that right out and put in any type of grill that uh, they or the aftermarket will come up with, and oh, they wow. fully support that. So, uh, in other words, you could probably have it programmed in the future to where if someone, if if, if you're following too close <laughs> to someone, it'll I'm not sure shout that out a message to them. Why don't you move detail, out of the way? But <laughs> yeah, just as far as the way the lights uh, work in different shapes. Uh, That's pretty lights. cool, though. Yeah, it's definitely uh, pretty sure. It, it, it looks like a Cadillac, though. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe a Cadillac from 30 years ago, not not so much art and science, kind of going back to when they actually looked really nice yeah. looking. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it is more attractive than yeah, just about anything it else. It drives phenomenally smooth. Um, the, uh, it's got a 33-inch uh, screen going across Gosh. the dash. Uh, and Jeez. unlike a lot of times when we see these screens, it's one piece of glass with individual screens behind it. This is one true 33-inch screen yeah. that you can move stuff all it's around. Cool. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I didn't play with it as much as I could have. Perhaps uh, we had other stuff to do, so I didn't get fully into it. But it's uh, really tricked. Were you impressed? Were you impressed? As far as this the, has been, everybody's yeah. been talking about this now for three years. I think the range is right there, and they've got super fast charging. Uh, on the DC fast chargers, you can get like 76 miles in 10 minutes wow. added in. 
Uh, it drives incredibly smooth and quiet. They went next level with their noise cancellation. Um, the Probably the most impressive thing is just the pricing. Uh, I mean, they priced yeah. these initial ones at $63,000. All 23s have already been uh, claimed. Uh, you can order 24s, uh, I think, soon, if not right now. Um, so, and everyone's like, well, that's really going to go up. It's actually going to come down because all of the 23s, just to keep it easy and get them out there, they're all one trim. The only mm. thing you do is you select your exterior color, whether you want light or dark interior, and whether you want 20 or 22 inch wheels. Keep Otherwise, it simple. they're all outfitted the same, no options. That's it. Interesting. Um, and that's priced at 63. It's going to be a mid level trim eventually. There's going to be 24s, there'll be a $60,000. Uh, base model, all-wheel drive is only two grand more. You know, That's, it, uh, sixty-five. It, it because it's going to be standard rear drive. You know, an awful lot of people, including Cadillac owners, haven't had a rear-only drive vehicle in yeah. a long time. Yeah. I, I, but it, you know, obviously, it's not stopped anybody from buying it. So. No, uh, I don't think most of their buyers even really notice or or care. They <laughs> definitely the weather gets they definitely will want the all-wheel drive. Yeah, right. I don't know if you remember another trick feature. I don't know if you remember the ELR. Uh-huh. I made uh, note of that in our uh, quick spin of it. Um, that was essentially the Cadillac version of the Chevrolet Volt. Uh, when that came out, it had a regen on demand brake paddle Love that thing, behind yeah. the steering wheel. Yeah, this one has it as well, only it's uh, like a hundred times better. The other one was kind of off on. This is super uh, linear, just like a brake mm. pedal it, would be. Oh, wow. So, if you like hold it longer, does it increase the amount of regenerative braking? It's or more like it? the more you squeeze it, just like a brake. Oh, so like it's, oh, yeah. wow. it's like a brake pedal. Oh. Yeah, the That's more really you squeeze cool. it, yeah, the harder it it was, the one I'm thinking of is yeah. like basically a switch. So you're saying yeah. this has like a nice level of like how much you can pull it back. Correct. So, yeah. That's awesome. so it really is just like a brake pedal on your steering wheel. Exactly. It's exactly yeah, that what is it is. Sweet. Yes, yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. very That's sweet. how it should be. I mean, I was ranting to Robinson about this earlier. Like if you're going to give me the ability to select multiple regen modes it's either got to be a button or preferably a paddle to me yeah. right. i think there's no other way around it like we have a, a bmw ix in right now and you have to go through this the menus on the screen mm -hmm. to change it which i just think is so unintuitive i, I mean if you're gonna if it's something you want your drivers to be able to change on the fly mm -hmm. it should be set like a button well, it should be able to be changed on the fly too. Well, what was yeah. the? It wasn't the EV6, the key EV6. Didn't it have like four positions? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You could adjust that, it with the pedals. And right. that was pedals. fine. Yeah. I thought that was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's yeah. why I said I'd that's rather, how it should be. Yeah. I'd rather have this yeah. where Agreed. you where you can basically drive. You know, you're not just turning a switch on. You're actually having some interaction, and you can. Yeah, give a little and more that's, braking. When that's you want full it. regen braking. Yeah. Then the regular brakes. They're also everything about the car. There's not one part that's ever been on any GM vehicle. They, wow. It's really? all uh, mm -hmm. it's all new stuff except for the Ultium platform, obviously. Um, but they made a big mm. point. The even the the natural uh, legitimate brakes, whatever you want to call them, the regular brakes. They're even totally different than any Cadillac they've had. Kind of and to make that transition from regen to real brakes like uh non-existent they really feel uh the same either one are they are the brakes fly by wire uh i'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i was actually going to go back to something you said uh -oh. earlier about um 
how they're going to come out with the all-wheel drive right. model next year. Yes. So did they come out and say that they were trying? Like what you had said was they uh, they tried to fit the motor from the Hummer in the front and couldn't make it work. Well, they, is yeah. that what they said? Or they that just would said like, that it wouldn't work. Right. That they wanted okay. to develop and then, a unique front motor. And yes. they didn't want to wait. Like they Correct. were waiting long enough for the Lear to come out. So Gosh, it was just yeah. Like, we got exactly. <laughs> we got to come to market with something. <laughs> yeah. And, exactly. and we'll just put it off till yeah. I mean obviously they probably have it figured out at this point it's just a matter of building it and right and then plus it. it gives them a double you know then yeah. we'll test it again next year the all-wheel drive version gives yeah. them a double uh, a double shot of publicity. I, don't, I don't know why it's sure. funny to me that they're just like look we'll figure it out later we got to get this thing let's just I give will, them the rear drive I don't version. know it seems like that's the General Motors like EV uh strategy right now because that's happened with the Hummer uh, you know, top of the line first, and then everything follows. They just want to get the product they want to out, get it there out there, well, so that it's on uh, the road yeah, for people to see. In their yeah. defense, when you when new vehicles come on, on the market, it's always the top trims that sell first. It's always mm -hmm. that way. Perhaps, you know, with Tesla and, and the Model Three, that was not the case there. But in almost every other, if you look back through history, no matter what trims are available the top ones always sell out. So they're just saying, fine, it's got everything on it, so let's make sure it all works. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I think your point actually has another um, level to it, and that is GM has been promising an awful lot of electric vehicles, mm -hmm. and they've been very slow to actually get them out there. And, it's, yep. and this is for a company that wants to be all electric. So they need to pick up some speed. I think it will, and part of that is because they're making them 100% unique. You know, they're not uh, piecing and parting them. Uh, that's mm -hmm. part of the, right. what's taking so long. I think once they get that figured out, and the Altium platform is super scalable, so I think once they get rolling, uh, it'll be things will ramp did up a Ca lot quicker. Did Cadillac say who their target buyer is for this? Normally, they're like they, they Younger, give you like an exact yeah, yeah. demographic. Of uh, who's I'm sure they it. did. I usually easily uh, fade out. Tune out. Now it's almost <laughs> yeah. uh, as we've said before. It's always the young urban person <laughs> yeah. who happens to have yeah. a lot of money and don't we not know well, very many younger, of those. younger and techier. That's who they want. Yeah. That's who everyone wants. But again, with that price, I mean, that's a yeah. few, that's. Cheaper than half the EVs we get in here, yes, and you can is. spend easily twice that on an Escalade now. Uh, yep. So you know, next gen Cadillac is going to be uh, better looking, techier, and more affordable. But they don't; uh, they have no um, tax uh, credits. So right. uh, yep. basically, they've got to make it price competitive. Uh, at least at the moment, they're, yeah. they're trying really well, hard. At the yeah. moment, I don't know that that's going to happen. We could though. get into politics <laughs> and be let me get five Let's hour podcast. <laughs> Well, let's actually then transition to Jessica, who's going to talk about the absolute state-of-the-art, I guess, and traditional mm. uh, uh, traditional luxury no, no, SUVs, right. yes, yes. the Lexus LX600, probably as the same but as different from the Lyric as you could possibly be. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's... Uh, a new LX, obviously the flagship of uh, Lexus. And so uh, it looks very, I would say the front is similar to the outgoing uh, previous generation, obviously a little bit more modern. The rear is way better, like way, way better. Um, just has like this really cool, the tail light spans across the entire um, rear. I think, uh, I mean, if you already don't like Lexus girls, you're probably not going to like this one just because it's still not getting any smaller. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, there's no more land cruiser being sold here in the U S so this is your luxury Toyota Lexus offering. 
uh, for in the full size segment. And um, it's powered by their new new 3.5 liter twin turbo V6 engine that they have uh, that we see in the Tundra. And it shares Sequoia. the chassis with the Tundra. It, share, it shares the chassis, yes, because they're all being built now on the global Land Cruiser platform. So it shares the body of it, even though it really doesn't share the looks or anything, because I think the new Land Cruiser actually looks really, really good. Um, but yeah, 409 horsepower. It's uh, lighter, more powerful than the previous generation. It's really smooth on the highway. It, it is big, and you're going to feel like it. you're kind of piloting a boat. Yeah. Um, but it's big. And uh, inside you have like almost 20 inches of screen. Uh, it's very plush, I think is the word I would use. Uh, because it feels traditional. It's very Lexus inside. Um, it, Of course, a huge thing is it has the new Lexus interface infotainment, so it's much faster than previously, which um, I know, of course, is always a... Uh, infotainment is always a, a hot-button topic when it comes to... <laughs> yeah, Lexus, they really need it. They have... I mean, the way they addressed it was just fantastic compared mm -hmm. to what we were used to use inside Lexus vehicles. Yes. Yeah. It's a Although, huge difference. Did anybody else notice whoever uses CarPlay that like in all the Toyota vehicles, and I might've even said this on a podcast, when it reads your text message to you, normally a vehicle will turn down the radio or whatever you're listening mm -hmm. to. Uh, in this, in the, in the Lexus and Toyotas we've had with this new system, it like keeps playing the music at a slightly lower volume and then like tries to talk over it. And then I'm trying oh, to really? speak back to it. Yeah. Maybe it's like a setting I had screwed up, but uh, it's just interesting know, that in the cause... three Lexus or Toyota vehicles I've been in that have had it, they've all done the same thing. With if they would sing the message in the song, <laughs> that would be great. That would be next level. That would be I fantastic. Would, I, would, I would actually connect a phone to a car. <laughs> if that would like happen. buy one of those newfangled smartphones <laughs> well i will say like uh um with i feel like every car is different though with that too because and maybe that's just how i guess toyota and lexus programmed it because i do know in hondas not only does it turn down your music it also air turns down your air conditioning which is really which is that's great great because yeah. because you wouldn't be able to hear otherwise yeah, yeah. Well, it's 100 yes. degrees here and then you're blasting air conditioning and it's just like turns everything turns down and then it reads i need the message. to be able to tell my wife to go get milk <laughs> yeah yeah i have two Who questions mm. the third row seat does it fold up or does it fold down does it fold up to the side or does it fold down it folds down. Okay. It, yeah, it folds down. So the other question is, I haven't seen it except in the materials. The electrical window is gone, right? Yeah. 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 That's that's, that's gone. Unfortunately, from, that's uh, from that's gone everything. from the everything. That's so. gone from like the the Sequoia. That's too bad uh, because tundra. that was always kind of something they had yeah, unique. We were we were talking about manufacturers dumping all their unique features and making everything mm -hmm. the same. You're yeah. saying yeah. the one slides down. Right. It used to slide like down like a regular. Now it just window. flips up. Yeah. Does it flip up at all, or is it all? It just flips up. Piece? I think. I think yeah, it flips so. up. Yeah. Which is rare. I know it definitely doesn't. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It has a, it has a, the configurations inside too are interesting because you can get it's a four, five, or seven seater, so you can get like VIP seats in that second row, which um, usually don't fold and are useless for car- <laughs> carrying cargo. But yeah, but yeah. when you know, say the top of the line ultra or luxury if you're being trim, chauffeured, it, yes, you know. right, a car that starts you know yeah. is around one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, you're not really too worried. What about we also forget that. is that like we're talking all about luxury. And this like has all these off-road capabilities yeah. that yeah. nobody it's, even it's knows still or a cares cruiser, about. Basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like you get inside, you think, okay, Lexus luxury, uh, great feeling seats, nice looking infotainment now, and then you're like, oh, what are all these buttons? It's mm-hmm. like uh, rear locker, mm-hmm. like all these kind of off-road goodies that people are just going to be like, nah, that's too complicated, <laughs> and I'm never it. taking this <laughs> yeah. off-road. All right. And that's really what like the platform is. It's yeah. like yeah. people in America yeah. don't really get that. Yeah, I didn't really think it was that luxurious inside myself. I thought it was like a step back for Lexus. I really think they should have kept that a Toyota Land Cruiser and done something mm-hmm. better. You know, if they're going to charge mm-hmm. well over six figures for a luxury SUV, um, I just would have expected you know, something a little nicer. Well, I, I think I saw this before I saw the new Sequoia. And then when I saw the new Sequoia... I was like, wow, I really like this layout inside Well, it's a much more modern vehicle. Yeah. Any way you cut it. It's not, you know, and and they're going to have a capstone model, which you sort of are looking at like the Denali to the Escalade sort of situation, the capstone to the LX. Yeah. so I don't know. I feel like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap. Mm. Uh, But uh, then again, Sequoia is a little bit different. You. it has the hybrid powertrain in it, which you lose a little bit of space in the rear. So, and would a Lexus different. buyer that can afford a Lexus really be happy in any Toyota? True, I'm probably not. True, true. These these, these comments come from maybe some, a Venza from folks that don't <laughs> yeah. necessarily think they will ever be able to afford an LX six hundred. Yeah. Well, a hundred and what you say twenty five thousand? Well, yeah, uh, the luxury trim goes for about one hundred twenty seven. So that'll get you a door off the twenty twenty three Lamborghini Huracan Tecna, <laughs> yeah. right, maybe, Greg? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, Lamborghini Huracan Technica. You've probably heard us talk about. Let's see how many Huracans we've driven since twenty fourteen. All, of them? Yeah. Like all of them and a lot of them, and we've enjoyed Spiders, every one of them. Thank you, Lamborghini. Drive, all wheel drive, Performante, <laughs> STO, Evo, <laughs> and now we have the Huracan Technica, which uh, Lamborghini flew me to Spain to drive. Too they bad. wanted me to drive it so badly, <laughs> they flew me all the way to Valencia, uh, and I'm very happy they did because um, the Huracan has really gotten better. Um, as it's gotten older and we're now down to the Technica is the second to last Huracan. So they're going to have mm-hmm. one more, I think toward the end of this year, they're going to release and then that's it. Then they're going electrified. They're going to have, it's either going to be a plug-in or a fully electric down the road. So we're talking about, um, very possibly saying goodbye to the, uh, the, the wonderful naturally aspirated V10 that have powered all mm. these. It's, really it's an amazing, and it's a fantastic amazing engine. engine. It really I is. mean, we, we talk about how much we love, uh, Porsche's four-liter flat six, how great that sounds. Um, This V10 might be um, the only competition in my eyes. Um, We we were able to drive it on the racetrack there. And uh, actually, let me me back up a little bit. So the Technica uh, slots below the STO, which is what we drove at Roebling. Uh, They're super high-performance track machine, which I don't think we've ever seen from Lamborghini, a a vehicle that is this track-focused that the STO was. 
Um, so it slots uh, beneath that and then ahead of the Evo, which is basically their, their basic Huracan now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it, when I got there, I assumed this was going to be like a Porsche GTS kind of thing where it's like basically splitting the difference down the middle of like your basic daily and then the track star. Uh, I'd say it's actually a lot closer to the STO than it mm. is an Evo uh, because it, it basically starts as an STO. Then they pull off the massive rear wing, take off some of the aero. Uh, by doing that, they increase the top speed. It's over 200, 201 miles per they hour. They actually increase the top speed. Yeah, because you don't have the big you wing because you know, that's all, all for drag. downforce. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but they still increase downforce over the rear wheel drive Evo, made it slippery through the air. Um, and what you get essentially is a like Lamborghini's version of a sleeper where they like it's their most uh track worthy car essentially without all of the track worthy looking things like on the outside. The 911 GT3 with a touring package. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. And that's that's actually a really good analogy because I got inside and my first like they I so I get to the track where the whole thing is staged and they they give us the introduction and then they're basically like all right you're the first one on the track. Like, oh, okay. Sweet. And they're like, here's a helmet. I said, okay. And they just threw me out there with a pro driver. The only thing I'd seen was just like a quick uh, video of, of the track. And the speed with which I got comfortable in that car was kind of ridiculous. By the second lap, I mean, I was like two-finger driving, probably you know, taking corners over 100 miles an hour, like I had just been in the STO, which, I mean, I do the same thing in that. Uh, because mostly they have, um, I think I've said it before, the LDVI. And I'll say it one time in Italian, Lamborghini Sweet. Dinamica Vehicolo uh, Integrata. <laughs> and it's Very basically good. a computer inside the car that monitors like things you can't even fathom in an instant and then determines where to put power, where to take power away from, uh, and essentially makes you look like a absolute track star without mm -hmm. you even realizing it. I mean, you'll see a little amber... Uh, traction control light flash every once in a while, but you don't feel it. Like it doesn't kill your power. You're just, as far as you know, you're just driving this thing like an F1 driver. Um, just absolutely fantastic. But the other side of that is that it's supposed to be better on the street. Uh, and I finally got to drive a Lamborghini on the street, which I never get to do. And I gotta say, like it wasn't that comfortable. <laughs> but that, like, and, but and you couldn't see that well out no, the back. No, it's still an STO. I mean, it was super yeah. firm. And like, I'm going over some of these. Like, some of the roads were great. Some of them were not so great. And it was just like, and they had the sports seats, so mm -hmm. that's like even less comfort. Hugging you can get them. Um, a standard Huracan Technica comes with like more luxurious seats, more luxurious material. Like you actually have like nice door panels as opposed to the STO where it's just carbon fiber. Mm. So, but you can option all those things in. And my car was spec that way because Lamborghinis thinks that all the people or most of the people who are going to buy it are just going to spec it like they would an STO. Hmm. It's kind of weird, but whatever. So not super <laughs> comfortable on the street, but at least like you're not... A Lamborghini will never be subtle, but this is like as close as you can get to being subtle. <laughs> but you know, one of the most amazing things, we've been covering Lamborghini for the better part of the 41 years we've been on, on the air. And they used to be known for being fast, having wild looks, but being really crude automobiles. 
they're not crude anymore. They've got some of the most sophisticated technology that's out there in the exotic car world. And you're you're 100% right about that. Um, they've really shifted everything within Lamborghini. I mean, I, I don't know if they that's are, the Audi they've had a lot of success. Yeah, yeah, they've had a lot. Engineers of, speak yep. German now, not Italian. They, <laughs> they had a lot of success in racing very quietly yeah. uh, at the 24 Hours of Daytona. The Huracan has been hugely successful for them. Uh, but what you were saying, so yeah, it is very modern. But what we didn't get in the original Huracan was like it was kind of like a watered down um, Italian exotic. Everything was very comfortable, easy to drive. Now, like this technical, everything I was saying actually makes it feel more like mm. a, like a traditional Italian like a exotic, like a classic, right? Yeah. But with all the technology to back it up. So it's actually like I think it's really cool if you're into that old school Italian exotic feel. I mean, the Technica is probably the way to go, and it's probably the best value, $247,000. I'll take two. Uh, hold on, I have the exact number here somewhere. It's close um, enough. It probably just went out. 245000 Here, My last thing, $245,000 for the Technica, two ten for the Evo, which is the base, and three thirty for wow. the STO. Yeah. And in my eyes, I mean, just save the extra, you know, what is it, 90 grand almost, <laughs> and get a Technica. Because hey, it's like almost exactly an estimate. That, that's the markup. The so that's the markup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if, if anybody here is listening uh, and actually in the market for a Huracan, you know, look for that uh, Technica. You know, it's amazing with all the electric vehicles we talk about, there's still basically that that kind of raw internal combustion engine power that's out there. I loved it. And we've got one more vehicle we'll talk about at the end of the podcast that's uh, more proof of that. Thanks, everybody. Let's move on to our lightning round. And um, interesting comment. According to a report in our automotive news that we read cover to cover every week, the Nissan Leaf is being phased out of production by mid-decade, expected to be replaced by another vehicle. More tuned to the needs of modern EV buyers. What do you think about the death of the Leaf and the potential future of its replacement? Isn't that what the Aria was supposed to be? Or no. is that just too no. expensive? Nope. I think the Aria is bigger and more SUV. And, and it's it a whole lot more money. Well, it was really meant to be like uh, Leaf is base, Aria is right. above. You're above talking it. high 20s versus high 30s. Yes. Yeah. 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 So the Leaf always was meant to stay entry level. For, for Nissan, which makes me kind of sad because it meets a lot of people's well, needs. All they've got to do is take the leave. I hate to say it. Put a boxier back on it. It's already a hatchback. Yeah. Give it some, call it an SUV and put all-wheel drive on it and out the door. Yeah. I mean, that the basic package is still incredibly useful. And I don't see a good reason to get rid of the this very well-known name. That's, yeah, I don't either. That's where I was going to go. I feel like I'm more upset about the, the name going away. It's the away. most recognized, well, like, short of like, Tesla, the most of, recognized Yeah, name think in, about what it was EVs. when it came out. We had our long-term. Right. That was our, was that our first long-term EV? Yeah, and oh, I true, remember the true. first drive I ever, Here we are getting first time I drove it, and it was the first modern electric car I'd ever driven. I went down to um, USA Today, Jim Healy, their auto writer, and I, basically shared the wheel behind one and it was like wow this is really pretty cool you know it's quiet and fast you shared the wheel at the same time or no okay. no, no we took, <laughs> we took turns okay although jim, jim, when jim was in the passenger seat he was probably reaching for the wheel yeah that's what i'm saying um i felt like i needed to reach for the wheel when jim was driving that's why i said <laughs> no no i thought it was okay. me um 
No, but I went on the launch when the Leaf first came out. Yeah. I mean, it was it's easy to forget how groundbreaking that mm-hmm. vehicle was. You know, there was no Tesla yet. There yeah. was no one that had an uh, electric vehicle that, you know, got 100 miles on the road, which at the time, you know, that was the That the was best. the first benchmark. That was the yeah. best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was the best they could do. It drove. It did everything car like it needed to do um and it still does you could buy one yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Buy it. and they, they've upped the range what's the range up to now like mid 200s uh, low yeah. 200s yeah. i think like for two, the, the plus yeah, yeah. I think so yeah. i mean yeah. it's still it's still viable but it is getting old and you know and and maybe it's time to move on is, uh, yeah. i don't think quite so they have to put some new arc they have to put some money into it to bring it up to the latest mm-hmm. technology but i agree with greg Doing away with the Leaf name, I just can't see that as smart. Maybe they'll yeah. won't do that yeah. because it is so recognizable. They call it the new Leaf. That's all. Well, yeah, you we can't bring something back leaf, if you don't take it away. So <laughs> yeah. maybe this is the long game. Yeah, maybe. Well, I will. I want to say one thing before we move to a different subject. That w- the Leaf would not have been our first long-term EV because I believe one of our first long-term EVs was the. I want to say either a CRV EV or a RAV4 oh, a RAV4. EV. EV. But I don't, no. I don't, we didn't yeah. have this long term. Yes. No. They, no, they had the I, RAV4 very, EV. The RAV4 EV existed. Right. We didn't have, we didn't have as long term. We, we had it for like a month that we okay. claimed. It, yes. Like so just, we talked about it for like, as it was a long term. Now we're sure getting the really, Did I expose yeah. something? I that was no, before no, no, the no. leaf. Well, this yeah. I when I was watching leaf, right? seasons 16, 17 and 18 of Motor uh, Week when I was binge watching them. I came here in season them. 31 and I'd never we've I've never been in or seen a rap for I remember yeah. Lisa here. Lisa yeah. brought it to a school. She's yeah. like, this is our long-term RAV4 huh. EV. Brought it to school. Obviously, at that time, you she could only buy... Fibbing. This could <laughs> <laughs> You could only Wait, buy them in California. Yes, yeah. it wasn't in my tenure then. She no, was no, there. no. Yeah. This, was, this, was in the, this was in the late 90s. Lisa and Barrow, she, everyone. Yes, Lisa yeah. Barrow. And she brought it to a school to show all these kids. Huh. Like, I might have been in school, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 Greg, Greg was also there. The shame of it all. We all age. Um I, I don't remember a RAV4 EV here for long. It may have been yeah. here for a month. It was, I remember yeah. it. It was white, right? Yeah. But I don't remember it being here for a long time. It was either white or it was green. a long-term yeah. vehicle, yeah. folks, is green. something uh-huh. that's here from three, six, nine, or months yeah. or a year. All right. We'll go to the internet yeah. and yeah. update yeah. you. Uh, I'm sure people are already our, emailing our us Our brains right just uh, <laughs> don't compute all the way. But I, I have to say, the folks around this table, I never doubt them because they're generally always right. That kind of leads us in, though, to a question that we've got from Mark, and it, it every decent EV that we get in has a pretty aggressive regenerative braking system. A couple that we've gotten in that didn't, we've pretty much uh, not been fans of. So here's a basic question, and it's a good one from someone who probably hasn't owned an EV. What is regenerative braking? Who would like to tackle Well, you're the engineer. I think I'd like to hear your take on it. <laughs> Well, I mean, strictly speaking, it's a way of getting the energy that you disperse when you're actually applying the physical brakes, uh, turning it into electricity to help charge the battery. I mean, that's basically what it does. And, and it also rever- helps slow you, slows you yeah, down. Yeah, it's the physical reversing of the electric motors as well. Correct. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. right. Actually, the best way to do this is go over to Engineering Explained, our friend uh, Jason oh. Fenske. Yeah. There's a nice little video that I used to brush up, took five minutes on. Um, yeah, it's, it's so, 
In a hybrid or an EV, the battery powers a motor. The motor goes through a controller. The controller then goes to the wheel. It powers the wheel forward. When you let go of the accelerator, the same um, the controller then essentially turns it into a generator. So everything's moving in the same direction, but now what's spinning the axle is now charging the battery. And the way it slows the car down is that the, res the resistance from the wheel that is now spinning like a generator right, and charging the battery has to slow down. So what used to be, and you're not using your physical brakes at this point unless you're like getting close to a stop or really mm -hmm. panic stopping. This is like, if you hit your brakes in an a, a EV or a hybrid and you're just like tapping them to slow down a little bit, you're not using any brake pad. It's all mm -hmm. regenerative. It's a computer telling the car how much speed to scrub off um, and it used to be when you only had normal pad and rotor you lost all of that energy to heat right. and it just went into the atmosphere it's gone now we're able to harness like i think i saw a number like 75 percent roughly of the energy expended in breaking a car now comes back into the battery if it's an ev you get more range however small that range is it could be or, uh, it can be a couple of miles of range over a long distance yeah, yeah. easily and, and then yeah yeah so that's the basic working of it but then it's like you hear us talking all the time about levels of regenerative braking mm -hmm. and at what point robinson and i've had the debate and i think you even talked to an engineer about it like is there like a thing is too much regen braking? Because if you're on the highway and say you're in the most aggressive settings, oh, yeah. you can yeah. find yourself going down the hill and having to accelerate just to maintain yeah. speed. Or the moment you left off, lift off, it throws you forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find there's definitely a balance. And I think that that also like kind of brings back like the conversation which Greg said about. Uh, you know, not having it an, an ease to change your right. regen, regen braking settings because sometimes you're, you know, if you're going from the city and then you're going onto the highway, you want to, you know, maybe go to a lighter regen braking setting so you're not on the gas like the entire time um, if you're not using cruise control. So now I got another question. Ooh. Regen braking, yes. when it is activated, are the brake lights on? There, Sometime. yes, yeah, with the amount of the aggressiveness, it's, yes, it's it depends on the vehicle, it depends on the like yes. or something like that. I don't remember, I did that was at one from point one in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I, we it, get that it, no, it's it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real question. Yeah. I think I did a field test with uh, Benny D at one point, um, and yeah, because I didn't know, like, it was early on in the mm -hmm. days, and it was like really aggressive. And I'm like, it has to throw the brake lights, otherwise, like, the driver, otherwise, you'd be in a lot of rear end collision. Sometimes you want that real region and sometimes you want to like coast and not yeah. right. and not um have that feeling but yeah. yeah so definitely make them easily adjustable thank you mark very much for the question uh before we get into our rant and raves let's go back to the vehicles and the one last one we want to talk about just briefly that really the uh, the debut even though it's been rumored the debut was just prior to when we were recording this podcast ford raptor r finally ford succumbing to all the pressure from the ram trx and putting a V8 engine into the Raptor. So uh, 700 horsepower, 640 pound-feet of torque. Oddly enough, just short of what the TRX is listed at. And that seems very un-Ford-like. I, I was well, surprised about that. Ford says, I think, uh, they it, it's lighter 
than the so TRX. So it's faster. So it's faster. So they so they said, well, it's lighter that than the TRX. But, uh, but this to is the buyers, I'm saying, they don't I'm care saying about this that. is this is what Ford's PR people said. But I mean, said. it's 700 versus 702. You can't tell right. me they couldn't have gotten to 705. I just found it odd. No, it's I mean like, that's what that, that, okay. that's what they said. They said, well, it's lighter than. Yeah. So why you know do the yeah, extra yeah, three? Yeah, yeah. You know, an We're extra three. Right. We do more with 700 horsepower than Chrysler can do with 702. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but still, I do think it's pretty interesting. It's the engine that the Raptor has been yearning for, and uh, so it's there. And don't know too many. I mean, basically, it's the Raptor with a with a V8. Yeah, I mean, from from what I've heard, it sounds very oh, I'm very sure it does. good. Well, yeah, but I mean, that nothing was like, like sounds like a V8. Probably all of our biggest knock on the current Raptor is like, while the twin turbo V6 is torquey and I guess and fun in its own right, it's not a V8. And like as much as they tried to make it sound like a V8, it didn't sound like a V8. And it's hundreds so, of pounds less. So or, this less is what everybody wanted. So, mm -hmm. This is what everybody wanted. Mm -hmm. So congrats. I could just see the Ford engineer saying, please, we, we cannot let, we're the number one truck brand on the planet. We can't let uh, the folks over at, at Ram um, eat our I was our trying lunch. to think of their marketing department, like what yeah. they could do. Because so obviously <laughs> the Ram went with the T-Rex. I mean, what's more fierce than a T-Rex? How is Raptor going to like up that do you think they were in the like in the boardroom trying to figure out like all right we can't get away well, from the name raptor we, we call it like warming. the 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 asteroid or something <laughs> well you didn't did you say the price no i didn't a hundred and just under a hundred and ten thousand dollars so how does that compare to the base raptor it's like a it's million about, dollars about in cars we just talked about i mean we mm, did the base, base isn't base the base at like seven yeah it's like 65 70 yeah right? but you oh so it's 110 to start yeah okay because yeah. you can get a raptor up almost to triple digits I think. oh i'm sure yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. the the trx starts oh. like twenty five thousand dollars cheaper i think it starts at like 85 80, yeah 80 something 80 something so uh, well, well if you want the f-150 then that's it. a lot of people do go. i mean yeah. so true they'll sell i mean it's not like they're not gonna sell them <laughs> right now i think you could sell a, a donkey and a cart if you put a car name on the front of it right now anything that that rolls seems to sell okay mm -hmm. rants and raves and actually i've got one this love evening. it can't wait okay it's one thing for folks to get on a four or six lane highway and if you want to go under the speed limit that's certainly your right get in the right hand lane please and do whatever you want to do what i've got to complain about is folks that are on a two-lane road and a lot of highways in this country main highways are still two-lane mm -hmm. there for whatever reason they're driving five to ten miles an hour under the speed limit and we're talking like a good distance 20 30 miles between lo locales and they build up 10 and 15 cars behind them. I have the same complaint with RVs. Folks, why don't you be courteous and as soon as it's safe, pull off to the side and let everybody else go because you are causing a potential drastic accident. Mm -hmm. I was behind a car that was um, on one of our two-lane highways near our office. It was going 10 miles under. The speed limit was 50, and it was going 40. It had 10 cars behind it. The road has no passing area. And yet here comes somebody from behind me passing five cars on a hill to get ahead of this car. That's insane. And I see that all the time. You have the right to drive slow if you want. 
But if you start building up traffic behind you, pull off. RV owners, please have some compassion for the other people. You're actually saving their lives and making the road safer by just pulling off for 15 seconds and let the people that want to go a little bit faster go by. I have two things to add to that. I agree with you. I think we're kind of like in a pocket, though, where that's really bad, where nobody would even consider doing that in the mid-Atlantic and up into New York. I will say, like, in the Northeast, I've experienced it on press events where people will get out of the way. The West Coast, especially well, the Pacific. California, it's terrible with all the RVs. Well, actually, I didn't. I, I feel like people are more uh, uh, conscient, conscious of it. Yeah, but um, they're out-of-state people. That's what's Yeah, <laughs> and then Pacific Northwest people are pretty good about it, too. Um, my other is, like, sort of a question, because uh, I always have this internal argument when somebody is going that slow mm-hmm. on a highway. It's like, if anybody were to ever, like, counter your argument with well 65 is the speed limit i'm not which talking means about that is the limit to which and i want to know your 50. i know i want to know what your in- interpretation is of speed limits do you like go on full-on technical semantics and say like the speed limit is 65 miles per hour or are we all under the understanding that that's like roughly where you should be and really the limit's like 10 yeah above that the, the thing is though because I'm it's, because it's, it's different between feel. here in europe in europe especially in germany when they post on the autobahn say a uh, speed it's it, it tells you in the materials and many times depending on where you are it is a recommended speed and so if you go over it and you have an accident you'll probably get a ticket but if you go over it and it's good weather yeah, maybe they don't care or they give you a little leeway. It depends on the country. I'm talking mostly Germany. Definitely, there. yeah. Here, though, in this country, if you go over the speed limit, you are technically breaking the law. Right. It is a limit. But I, So I would never, in any kind of public forum, <laughs> tell anybody to speed. Now, in reality, we all feel that the roads are capable of higher speeds than the limits in many cases under good conditions. But what gets me is you see people basically nailing it and doing 80 on a 70 mile an hour uh, interstate while it's pouring down rain or, or you know you have a blizzard, and so then I, I think the speed limit basically is there because it's saying under this in all conditions this is the best maximum speed you can have. Well, I was just curious what other people's feelings on that subject were because I, a unnamed person at some point in my life, told me that the general unwritten rule is that it's like up like 10 miles above is generally on like on a highway where it's how you keep up on the highway well yeah i mean not to say that you can't go 65 on a 65 but you you go on 95 heading south out of washington if you're you know wherever it's 65 or 70 Everybody in the left lane still in 75 and 80. I mean, mm-hmm. and if you just keep up with the flow of traffic, that's what you're going to do. Is it legal? No, you're breaking the law. But that's what happens. That's the reality. I mean, I think in like you, the, the example that you mentioned with like somebody driving 40 miles an hour uh, in a 50, you have to use a little bit of common sense, right? right? Especially and that's all I'm you have a queue of people behind you. And, you know, I'm always a big fan of defensive driving i think we all should be big fans of defensive driving but that also requires you to think to yourself all right yes a person around me may be driving more dangerously but it's safer for the both of us if i just let them go which is exactly what i did 
Right. And it was hard. I mean, I wanted yes, it's to basically. Not easy. I was only two it's cars. It's hard to take the high road. Yeah, it is. All it the is. movies have told me that. I was in that. something with enough power that I could have overtaken this vehicle, and we had a couple of spots where it could happen, and I didn't. And then this somebody from behind me goes, you know, flying by, and it's like. I dealt, I dealt with the same thing this yeah. morning because I on the route that I take to come to MPT, uh, today was a uh, trash day, so there was a garbage truck in front of us. And Did I ever always... tell you the time I hit, uh, hit a, in an accident I hit a t- trash truck? Never mind. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's no? for another podcast. All right, anyway, next podcast. Stay but... tuned. That's what they call <laughs> no, Actually, I, it was my father was driving, so... <laughs> Well, we didn't hit the trash truck today, but it was trash day. So there was, um, you know, a huge queue of, of cars, but we were coming up to a turn. So there was no, nobody was going to be pass or should have safely nobody been passing. But, right but the no. person in front of me had a baby on board sticker and I could see two car seats. So they were definitely not making any moves. And it was me, that person, the trash truck. And then there was probably a, a queue of, mm-hmm. I don't know, 20 cars behind me. And so... You know they're doing their trash thing and that person in front of me did not pass until there was no one in the other lane that they could see and we were on a straightaway and not on that curve anymore mm-hmm. but i know for a fact that if that person was not did not have small children in their car they somebody else would have made a way riskier move Probably. on that turn Probably. and it's just safer for everybody to just like God bless relax yeah. like take a couple deep breaths i know i know you got to wait a couple extra minutes for somebody but like in a situation like that, just just relax. That's my that's my advice. In the end, Jessica if says you, relax. If you <laughs> do take the high road, you probably at most will be two to five minutes later getting wherever you're mm-hmm. going than if you had done something dangerous. Yep. And that's been proven by many um, studies over the years that like when you're in stalled traffic and everybody's jockeying for lanes and yep. goes from one lane to the other. The net result is you get there at the same time or maybe 30 seconds earlier. Yeah. So yep. take it easy because if you pass one vehicle and we're getting off the subject, chances are half mile down the road, somebody else is going to be doing sl- being slow and you're going to mm-hmm. hold you back up again. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if yep. you get a, a long line of vehicles behind you when it's safe to pull off, when you've got a really wide area to pull off, pull off for t- 20 seconds and let them go by. Yeah. That's no, one, no one will think less of you. No. It's okay. Mm-hmm. No, we'll be Nobody's very happy. Nobody's keeping score. Anybody we'll else got a, uh, a rant or rave? No. Nope. <laughs> that was like three rants. <laughs> All right. We're going to wind this thing up. Many thanks to everybody here today. Our two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Our over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos. And our digital producer, Jessica Ray, who is also the producer of this podcast. And our audio engineer, Jillian Cookman. And our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Hey, out there, if you want more of Motor Week, be sure to check out our website at motorweek.org. If you're looking for the public TV station that carries us, go up to the corner, pull down about the show, put in your zip code. You'll get current days and times. Uh, You can watch us just about anywhere. As a matter of fact, we're available on almost all screens and devices, Mm -hmm. almost everywhere. So you can watch us at pbs.org slash motorweek. You can stream us at various places. We're over on uh, Mav TV on our our cable partner, which we're very happy about. And uh, if you've got a screen, you can watch Motor Week. I don't know what else to say. That's that. I I mean, I don't know. I don't think you mentioned YouTube. Oh, 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 YouTube. You can't forget YouTube. You know, three million of you every month are watching all of our segments going back decades on YouTube and all of our uh, 
um, a classic revivals, our retro road test. And oh, yeah. we thank you very much for that because that's a whole different audience. Yeah. And, and, you're, and all the ideas you send in about uh, what we can do about more retro road tests, we send those right along to Ben Davis, our producer, and sooner or later you'll see him on the air. And we're getting into some not, not so, or what feels like not so retro years as uh, some, I think Ben just posted like a 2004 Dodge Neon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we oh, are yeah, in the yeah, 2000s, yeah, yeah. I know. And some of you guys have been waiting for a long time. We appreciate your patience. So there is more coming. We are officially retro. We yeah. are officially retro. We're everything automotive here at Motor Week. Till next time, I'm John Davis. Thanks to all of you for being a part of Motor Week. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.